Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 324. This is your guide to the geek side, and I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, joined by Charlie Carden. Springtime or summer or something has come to Michigan, though I'm sure it will snow tomorrow. Um, no, it's a beautiful day here in Michigan. Got 80 degrees and got to go and mow the grass and blah, blah, blah. Got every single window in my house open. Got this amazing cross breeze. I'm like, I'm really digging it. So it's awesome. Feeling good. And Todd was harassing me for wearing what he calls a wife beater because I'm I'm too I don't hot. Think that's a, I don't think that's appropriate term anymore, Charlie. We're going to call it the the we'll call it the the white trash tuxedo. The, is that different than a Tennessee that's, tuxedo? That's, that which is, is a, an all de- all a, denim outfit. <laughs> that is like a t-shirt or like an undershirt tank top in jorts. They call it an, an A shirt, technically. They call it an well, A shirt. If you were, if you were to buy it, at, the, the best place to buy it, buy it, of course, is at Walmart. <laughs> yes, and that is a shirt you should never see, be seen in public. No. Uh, it's around an episode of Cops, I was, and that yes, never goes well for anybody. I was explaining to you it is an undergarment, not a yes, primary garment. And keep it under clothes. I don't want to see it. Oh Todd, you know you know you fall for my sexy every time. Don't lie. Uh, oh yeah. Don't no, I, don't hide. Don't hide. Anybody ever fell for that look, Charlie? Hmm. Well, on me, you know, with the with the start with these startling guns, I understand. Yes, yes, yes. So, well, so, well, enough for fashion. Uh, yes, it was the it's the season for sledgehammering, as we did in our household. Oh, we took down half of a fence this weekend. That's so. crazy, man. Yeah, those pictures were nuts. Yeah. Kind of crazy, yeah. So my son and I took down our fence because we're getting a new fence installed. Uh, it was like there, I was being quoted like seventeen hundred dollars to remove the fence and take what? it down. What? Like, you know, myself. So we got to figure out some people to take away the wood, or we're gonna ha- be having a lot of bonfires. So uh, yeah, we'll see I'm how that goes. Bonfires are a paragon, man. If I was out there with you, I would, I would enjoy a bonfire. They're fun. You hang out, you drink. Smoke some weed. I don't know. Whatever you know. Whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. Because it's not legal yet. So well, we'll move oh, on. Okay. From the, yeah. Very good. Yes, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is an all ages show, um, and we keep it legal. Or a Green Lantern or a Green Arrow might come in and try to bust us, Charlie. It, it's it's funny you bring that up, and then Green legal. I just, whatever. Yeah, it's legal. Exactly. And everything's legal in Michigan. It's wild, wild Midwest. Absolutely. Gambling. Go. You don't have to go to Canada anymore for those things. So Mark like, is not oh. getting our hard-earned cash in Wampum. the. Uh, yes. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So as as we mentioned, uh, Green Arrow and Green Lantern. We're actually going to conclude the hard traveling heroes this episode. So that's going to be the end in the Thunderdome. So stay tuned for a classic Green Lantern tale, which at times is less than classic. So Charlie, with that though, <laughs> we will talk about. Another comic book issue, and that is number 324 of The Amazing Spider-Man, The Assassination Plot, part five of six, now on sale twice a month. There's I know. So it, it was it was a big deal. I actually had to uh, look up the pub date because I thought, oh, this is when they, you know, they, they were publishing it. Because, again, it was, it was kind of squinty to know if this is when they started doing it weekly at one point, which I think they did often in the summertime with Marvel Comics in the early 90s. But this was uh, near the tail end of the iconic, and I put it in, uh, in air quotes because, unpopular opinion, I don't care for Todd McFarlane's art. Ooh. Never I never did. I never did as a kid when I read these for the first time because Amazing Spider-Man was the main title I read. Uh, I was very used to, I think, Rick Leonardi was the artist before him. Uh, Eric Larson was the artist after him. And then after that, it became Mark Bagley, who Todd hates, whose art style I simply found very 
plausible. Where McFarland's, where, well, yeah, with McFarland's art to me just seemed very lumpy. I guess is a great word. His, his you know, which is a, a trait that John Byrne shares. It's very fluid, I guess. Maybe that's a yeah. good way to put it. It's very fluid. Very looks very uh, uh, undulating artwork. Undulating. But anyway, I picked this cover because uh, it uh, is simply a picture that you have Spider-Man's hand in the web shooting pose. And then you have uh, Sabretooth, who is, of course, the primarily the X-Men villain, in a snarly pose where he's doing kind of a twist. But uh, as I said, the thing that snagged my attention is that his hair is 100% on point in this drawing. He is just, you know, he takes what Wolverine has and you pump it up by about, I'm going to say, a good 30 to 40% in volume, like Aquanet. Stocks are through the roof when this dude walks in, because uh, his stuff is totally hat. Now, was that one of the mutant powers that the two of them shared? If you follow the iconology, that they were brothers. No, it's it's it was always like, are they or aren't they? And no, they were not. Uh, James Howlett uh, was a young, almost like uh, I think he might have been Picard's children if they'd been born in America or Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, they were they were not siblings. They just had similar mutant abilities. And that was always like the red herring is like, are they or aren't they? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. Keep him hanging on. So anyway, I remember, Todd, I was telling you, this is obviously uh, the fifth uh, installment of a six-episode little miniseries. Uh, this had to do – it was a crossover between the Red Skull, who at that time was actually a clone body of Scene Rogers, uh, which means Captain America showed up. But I think he, uh, the Red Skull, was at war with Silver Sable, who was a mainstay Spider-Man character. And that's about as much as I remember. And, and again, I've done the – I've read the entire gauntlet of – volume one of the amazing spider-man which is over 700 it was 700 issues exactly and uh it's uh, it's real hard to remember all those plot lines so i'm not gonna lie to you so um, oh, yeah. anyway it was uh it was a moment in time of flashy art and again we were it we were about to break into the 90s so get ready for everything to be very extreme with a lot of pouches uh and weird spines and uh huge pectoral muscles on the men and other big things on the women yeah yeah if i was still in comics at the time which i was not i dabbled a little bit in the 90s early 90s because a friend of mine scott rackner he he was still in the comics we would he his mom would take us to the comic book shop and i think it was uh, at the time i guess it would have been flint or or one of the suburbs of flint in that area and uh the dark knight returns i remember when he showed me that book and i'm like Mm. oh my goodness at the same time though there's also another batman book called i think it was called digital justice where it was like the first computer animated comic Digital book ever, and it was so ridiculous justice. oh my god yeah no, it's just a, a gimmick a gimmick for the ages i'm sure oh yeah i'm sure that one god i'll have to look that one up and see if i can find a cover and throw that on the uh in in the twitters and let yes, please reminisce about the crappiness of the cool new era Absolutely. so yeah that is it for the opening of the show but now it's time to get into it so we turn to our gal pal our senior news correspondent so without further delay madam webb take it away now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. I believe you're always looking for a few sturdy young men to do household chores. You'd have to wait a little longer until school gets out. And I believe uh, the restraining order is still in effect. So behave and don't get arrested. Wow. That is a, that's a pretty tall order for uh, someone who is as addicted to hijinks as this spry lass. This yeah, she, Webb. she's essentially like the, the the female version of Herbert on Family Guy, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I love that he, voice. I love that say, voice. Did he say strap in or strap on? Uh, oh, 
Ooh, I'm edit that one out. Oh, well. Oh, you. Uh, okay. Yeah, Charlie, you got the first story. All right, gotcha. Well, we did. Oh, boy. How we, did you forget this one? We, we, pulled, we, a little, about we pulled a little bit of a, and I'm you know, and this one will pass the stiff test, the, the, the stink test, because uh, this was an expression they used back in the 40s, according to Batman comics. We pulled a bit of a boner on this one, and we missed out on this story. Uh, I remember I was sitting in the cell phone lot at Metro Airport waiting to pick up my wife coming back from Florida uh, on a Monday when this trailer dropped. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which we're getting this late this summer, I'm thinking, or early fall? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the first movie post of Black Widow. Uh, yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, so this dropped. Um, the uh, Obviously an action-packed trailer. Uh, you're getting a little bit of a vibe of, uh, you know, this is a, a, a privileged individual who uh, went, if I remember correctly, because I just watched it the one time, a privileged individual who from a wealthy family that at one point his dad said, you're a freeloading bozo, get the hell out, go find your way in the world. And he goes out and learns the martial arts, and then he comes back. So it's kind of kind of got a good uh, Batman Begins vibe to it to me, less the dead parents. Um, the only recognizable face I see in it is Aquafina, who I adore. Uh, I used to work with a broadcaster here in Grand Rapids. Her name is Jackie Green. Todd, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Um, but Aquafina is the Asian Jackie Green to a T. They Not look- Jackie Moon from the Flint Tropics, though. No. <laughs> with that with that afro. Um, so anytime I see uh, Aquafina, I'm like, that's the Asian Jackie Green. Um, so She uh, is in as an ancillary character. And that's actually because the first action figure wave of Shang-Chi is now out in stores. I was in a Target today and saw some of the figures on the peg. Aquafina has her own action figure. What is her... I don't even know what her character's name. Her special ability is being witty? uh, Her name is... The character's name is Katie, K-A-T-Y. And I, I know absolutely nothing about it, except that, yeah, she's steering a bus and in the trailer and she avoids a skid and she says we make a pretty good team so that's the only witticism that i saw in the trailer uh todd you know that this is not my thing uh i'm not going to put it down um but this could be the first mcu film that i care very little about unfortunately uh until of course we get to the eternals but that's you not me hmm. interesting because and I don't see why, though, because he's obviously not a character you don't know about. But, I mean, you didn't have any interest in the Guardians of the Galaxy before you saw the trailer. So but, that's where I'm like, it's like you don't but, have an affiliation but, with those but characters. This, this is me seeing the trailer. And after seeing oh, the I know, trailer. But, but before then, Shang-Chi, oh, things like that. And, right, and, I, no. I think, and I don't think this is any different than Ant-Man. And Ant-Man was, you know, a character that you had some affiliation for. But I don't think the trailer for Ant-Man was like, oh, my God, I got to see this. It was humorous and fun. So I think this could be similar to an Ant-Man versus like something bigger and deeper. And it's once again, it's kicking off. And it's, a lot of us are going to be starting with this character at scratch versus, you know, the other characters where, you know, oh, we didn't very have true. It. My, my, my only connection to Shang-Chi <laughs> is uh, a smattering of appearances in Marvel team up back in the yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because I, it's funny, I, I have always on my laptop, I have a, a, a my screensaver is just various images I grab off. Often it's comic book covers. I'll find old ones. So one of them was Marvel team up starring Spider-Man who in that title, he was always, he was in every issue. It was Spider-Man and, but it was Spider-Man and Shang-Chi and Black Widow and Nick Fury. And I'm like, that sounds like Spider-Man three <laughs> characters in there. Yeah. You know what? <clears throat> There's no doubt that I will see this film. Uh, there is no doubt that there is a part of me that will enjoy this film. But again, uh, I, 
this, like the mystical magic stuff in Doctor Strange, is not my scene. But I could be absolutely surprised. I could be like, woo! Where, you know, Todd, it's like there was so much martial arts and fighting in Daredevil and you hated it. So does that mean you're going to like this better because it's not it is or it isn't something else to, from you or were you just instantly engaged in this because of your own kind of familial connection to martial arts because of your son and your wife and oh i i've i've loved yeah. martial arts movies since i was a little kid channel 20 would show martial arts theater bruce lee all of the different crazy martial arts and i just love the art of fighting and seeing how people can be creative acrobatic and do those type of things um and it, and it never little, gets tired little known me. fact uh listeners Todd uh, really does know how to whoop some ass on his own. You would never know looking at him because he's 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 four foot eight. Uh, he's a midget, but he actually. No, I'm does not four foot eight. He does five foot four, sir. Five oh, foot that, four, sir. Of fury. That's five foot four and full yeah, of fury. You want to get Todd in a fight? You're going to be walking away. If you walk away with more than one arm, you're in good shape. So he's yeah. Easier. He's very dangerous. Low center of gravity is definitely good against tall opponents. Oh, well. Uh, but no, I mean, I just have always loved uh, martial arts, and I've always loved the choreography of fighting. So this is going to be exciting, and especially we've got people that are, are talented at this. And Simu Liu, uh, the lead character, is great um, in uh, Kim's Convenience. He's also was in The Expanse, and he's been in some other roles as well. And he's definitely uh, ready to go uh, and really show his skill. But um, this is a character where, yeah, a lot of us aren't going to have a lot of, you know, past with him. It's kind of like, you know, when Marvel created, you know, Luke Cage and, and characters like that, Iron Fist at the time. And some of them were carried forward and some just kind of just did not get developed. So I'm curious to see where this goes. And I hope it's it's going to be well done. And one of the things, though, is, you know, Shang-Chi and the, and, and the rings, you know, the 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 the, the ring. What is it? The, uh, the the Legends of the Ten Rings, which. Right. You're right. So the Mandarin. Uh, put which, right back into the Mandarin, because exactly. the Mandarin, of course, itself was a red herring uh, in Iron Man 3 because the, the Mandarin was was a construct. Uh, created by Aldrin Kiliage, who ran a- AIM or Advanced Idea Mechanics, which is a, a steady eddy in the comics. But uh, the Mandarin was simply created as a figurehead, as a, a nemesis for people to focus on uh, and take the scent off the fact that Aldrich Killian and his extremist soldiers were the real villains in that film. Yes. Um, so it was Trevor Slattery, by the way. We were trying to figure that absolutely. out. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, played, um, played by Ben Kingsley to just to a, just to a perfection. Absolutely. But this is actually the Mandarin revealed. Wei Wung. Uh, Cheng Chi's father is the Mandarin, oh, so he's the man pulling man. all the strings, Charlie. So this is kind of like leaning into a lot of the recesses, and they've been building all of these things together to kind of you know make this a little bit more meaningful. Um, and yes, there's going to be a lot of not uh, characters we know of as big villains that we're aware of. I mean, I'm not going to have an affiliation for some of the villains in this uh, trailer. Where uh, I'll go through them really quickly. Razor Fist. He's a white guy with a nope. big. Razor Fist. Got it. <laughs> yeah, so apparently Thanks. there's a history of that character. Uh, then there is Death Dealer, which is wearing the Kabuki-like mask, um, who is also in this, who apparently Ling Cheng Len was an MI6 agent who aided Shang-Chi in the comics against his father. So once again, could be an ally of this. Uh, and then we have Zai Ling, who's another character. Um, not exactly a villain, but she has some interesting past who could be kind of one of those, uh, you know, anti-heroes, but not necessarily a villain. So we've got some people laid out in this trailer. It's the first trailer. This movie's coming out in like, wow, in about two months. Isn't that crazy? Two months? We're going to get I, two getting, months. Oh, yeah. Right? My, 
Or no, was this my, September? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, but, well, because in no, two, this is before in, months. And yeah, yeah, in two months is when we we do finally yeah. get the Black, Black Widow. Widow. Yeah, Four exactly. Months. So yeah, so crazy. yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, it probably was effectively supposed to come out in the summertime, but with everything dancing around. So yeah, so obviously, you know what? Uh, you know, don't judge me too harshly. Uh, I will find enjoyment in it. It's Marvel. I'm in particular on a big Marvel kick right now because you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier was so hot, and it's got me back watching the Cap films again and really getting fired up. And we added a bunch of uh, uh, pictures, uh, framed pictures to the den here which i'll talk about a little bit later on um of the alex ross art so i just i'm really in a good place right now with marvel stuff so i'm sure this will and then we have loki and we have modok coming up so i'm all about marvel this year so far um definitely fired up good stuff yeah i hope i hope marvel does a good job though i, mean, I believe there's a new shang chi comic book which obviously we can read in marvel limited i hope they do more to you know i think what would be perfect if is if disney plus did kind of like who is shang chi Tell us about this character. Tell us more about him before this movie comes out so people aren't like, I don't know who he is. I don't care. I think they they can use this service to do a lot of cool things to really promote their movies because why not? Disney loves to promote. Use it for to, – to basically, as you're going to talk about Disney+, Plus, they can do a lot of things to really inform people that may not be big into the comics – but right. that's the perfect opportunity to do so. Well, and, so, and, and you yeah. know, and you know that people will gobble it up because yeah, absolutely, it's a new Marvel content. is just absolutely unstoppable right now. So anyway, moving on, this one, and again, especially with what we're going to talk about later, and something that's been a huge kick of mine, I'm super fired up. So hit me. Yeah. So uh, we are hearing more about the HBO Max series, Green Lantern series. HBO Max series, Green Lantern series, uh, called uh, Green Lantern. And this is going to be an interesting take because what they're going to apparently do is going to be taking different eras and different lanterns and highlighting them. So it'll be interesting to how they make that something. Is, is, it, is it just going to be one-shot episodes? We shall see. But they're already talking about they're going to highlight um, Alan Scott, uh, uh, basically – a gay Green Lantern, the first Green Lantern we ever saw on the right. comic book page from the 40s. Um, we're also then going to see Guy Gardner. He's going to basically be the 80s uh, Green Lantern guy. Uh, we actually saw a Green uh, Guy Gardner um, kind of shown in the books we just read, but he was debuted in 1968. He was basically the backup Green Lantern to Hal Jordan, if Hal Jordan ever got taken down. He's always been shown as kind of a guy with a you know redhead with a hot temper, flat top, kind of a jerk, uh, hot, uh, you know, quick temper, and always gets into the mix. But he has a strong heart, but he also has a hard head. Well, right. Well, yes. not too hard of a head because Batman knocked him the f out. You saw that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a classic uh, issue of Green Lantern or. Uh, Justice League, where Batman yeah. takes out uh, Guy Gardner. Uh, but uh, essentially in this, though, we're going to get a uh, – we've got Green uh, – Guy Gardner has actually been cast. It's Finn Wittrock, who wow. apparently has been uh, in American Horror Story and other things uh, with Ryan Murphy, some of his projects. People like him. He sounds like a really good actor, and he, he's going to uh, be there. I was going to say he um, is a wonderful actor, but always an American Horror Story plays just the absolute – Worst. creepy creepiest you know he's some kind of serial killer he's some kind of weird fetish guy he just always does creepy shit hands down so uh, for him to play a character who's a little bit of a little bit of a ne'er-do-well somebody who likes to go against the grain people hate his guts that kind of fits the bill of of, of what i've come to know of him in, in those ryan murphy productions which is pretty much the only place that i can recall seeing him i don't know where else? I, what else I've seen him in? But I kind of associate him with that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, and here's the official synopsis of the series. Um, It says, basically, Green Lantern reinvents the classic DC property through a story spanning decades and galaxies, beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern secretly gay FBI agent Alan Scott, and 1984 with cocky alpha male Guy Gardner and half-alien Bree Jarta. They'll be joined by a multitude of other Lanterns from comic book favorites to never-before-seen heroes. We've also heard that Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, Kilowog and Sinestro will be featured. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, what, this uh, is awesome. And what what are we looking at date-wise? So if this is in production, maybe this time next year or I'm January? 2022, yeah. Sometime in there probably, which is great because so far we've got Peacemaker announced for uh, basically HBO Max. That's going to spin off of uh, Suicide Squad. And I think the... Gotham City PD show is also obviously span, spinning off of uh, the Batman movie. We know about that. So there's three at least we know of that are coming, which is great. My, my, my. Oh, my God. Todd, I, I opened uh, this link that you sent me uh, for the next one with obviously we have we have made the four. May four uh, will already have come and gone uh, by the time you're listening to this uh, podcast next week, Friday. But when I opened this and the first thing it said was galactic Lego sets, I'm like, Todd, how could you? You know how I feel about Lego stuff after after spending. I just two clicked mo- the two, link. I just two, looked. Two, I knew there was. Stuff. After I spent two months in a basement counting Legos. Uh, yeah, you you know how I feel, but yeah, May the fourth is a. Uh, it's kind of a hallmark holiday for Star Wars uh, since Disney took over, but um, uh, but yeah, that is the May the May the fourth, May the fourth be with you, blah blah. You know, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's like the B sharps. It's one of those things that gets less clever every time you hear it. Am I right? Yeah, seem about right. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it, it's an amazing opportunity uh, for the folks at Disney to do what they do and start barfing out the merch. Uh, now, I myself personally, Todd, I know you're not big necessarily in huge acquisitions. You're kind of a uh, middle of the road Star Wars fan, uh, mm-hmm. and I know that the big thing that's going to be happening on uh, May fourth, uh, May the fourth, and this is something that obviously the next time Holocron Chronicles is on, when Mark and I get together next week. To record that show, we're going to be seriously breaking down the Bad Batch because we will receive we will get two episodes uh, the week of uh, May third, which starts tomorrow. There'll be one on Tuesday and one on Friday, and Friday will be the normal drop date. Todd, I know you got to Zipperuni of an interest because you hate the Clone Wars. I respect that, but um, yeah, we're looking at uh, a bunch of merch that a lot of which has been already previously announced. Uh, from role play items to action figures, which is really the mainstay of all. Uh, Star Wars merchandise because you know Star Wars really created the modern action figure, but they actually uh, pumped out two uh, in this that I already have pre-ordered, including uh, I believe uh, Casa Reeves, who is the sidekick to Bo Karen from The Mandalorian, uh, and then a Lando Calrissian that I'm picking up just because he looks good with my other kind of Endor figures. But we've got everything from fancy watches to ugh, new lego sets which i just i don't care for legos uh new wearables uh they have a cosplay helmet of wedge antilles which i gotta be honest with you i did and it was for cosplay purposes uh purchase a luke skywalker x-wing helmet because it goes with an original character i've created and i i will give hasbro credit with hasbro being the company that makes those kind of items uh for star wars that is a really spot-on item they really got it right you know, it comes with a little padding inside. It's electronic. I've not really messed with that, but uh, they, they do get it right. Um, but again, it's, uh, you know, a lot of this is kind of uh, different things to beat the band. 
Uh, I know that I'm I'm planning at least to probably pop into a GameStop uh, on Tuesday because uh, several local GameStop guys have been to and said, "Well, we got some stuff. You'll get blah 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 this and that." So I might go check it out, but it's usually a disappointment. Here's a button. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So, um, but uh, yeah, Todd, where do you fall with with any things on this list? Anything really jumping out at you? Again, I know you're you're not exactly in the big leagues when it comes to the Star Wars stuff, so. I think I'd be more excited if there was actually things happening in Star Wars. For right now, it just seems Star Wars is more of a merchandise factory with nostalgia versus actual real content. Yeah. And that, that's, that, that's where that's I tough, struggle. That's a tough argument. I got you. Yeah, I mean, we got Force Friday where they put out more toys. And yeah, I mean, Disney loves this because it's another reason that they can get money out of people with Star Wars. But as of right now, I think Star Wars in a put up or shut up uh, mode basically. They got the Bad Batch, but that's just more of the same, I would say, Clone Wars animated show. It's not exactly something new. Right. And beyond that, I mean, it's more of the same, let's milk some nostalgia things we've already seen before. And so Rogue Squadron's really the, the next time. I mean, unless, I will say, my one area of Star Wars I really enjoy still is the video games, because it seems sure. like they've been able to do and tell different stories without having to worry about being canon or not. Um, well, and, so, and, and, the, and the beauty of it is, is that those stories are canon. Uh, the the ones that you see now the you know Battlefront two yeah. and the the squadrons and the what was the one what's the one that Mark loves so much the Fallen Fallen Order oh, Fallen Order yeah, yeah we're actually getting getting like next gen versions of those games too where they'll run better look better and they you know they'll give things even Star Wars squadrons they've been you know giving out freebies and things like that which is that that game can exist because it's all about you know dog fighting in space which is pretty cool um but uh, we are hearing we are hearing about a uh kotor remake uh or remaster at least which would make that game which i've never i've played a little bit but i trying to go back to it it's really hard because it's an old game but right. if they basically made it more you know brought it up to today's standards i'd be all in on that because it's once again something i would get into and be an area of Star Wars that's really that I'm not as familiar with, which I would enjoy. So, yeah, and I, I, and, and, and a game release, a AAA, if I'm using the expression correctly, game release would also make it canon because again, Lucasfilm Continuity Group has said that things that come out under our banner are considered canon. They're interactive with other things in Star Wars. Uh, whereas, sure. and I, I mention this all the time, uh, both on on Code Forty Seven and, and and on Holocron Chronicles, both of which I host and or co-host, that uh, everything in Star Wars post Disney that is handled by this group is considered canon. Nothing in Star Trek except for what you see on screen is considered canon. It's all multiverse, head canon, fanfic, whatever it is. So yeah. take it as you take take it as you leave it. But a Kotor video game, if that's something, I just want them to put out that damn Lego Star Wars Super Saga game that's been delayed for what like yeah, that's now? that's delayed again. And I was like, you're not exactly reinventing the wheel. It's Lego games. You guys have been making this. It's not exactly well, right. Yeah, new, they've been making you know, they've been making those for play. yeah they've been making those for what fifteen years now. And oh, then I was at, I, I yeah, was in a, a GameStop and uh, the guy there was he was trying to be an apologist. Well, there's supposed to be a lot more content. I'm like, I could give a shit if there's more content. You put out a DLC or a season pass that I, that kind that's kind of thing I'll pay for. But give me the damn game so I can at least get things rolling. Yeah, you know it's not I mean? exactly like the, I mean they 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 know how to make Lego games, so it's not like exactly like they have to worry about new models. It's Legos. It's not exactly right. uh, but, but, yeah. But, so but, I it's barely changed. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and they've got the new is it the Golden Era, the High Republic. Sorry. Yeah. So the High well, Republic, the I think that's era. I think that's really where they could lean in and make a lot of new content for it because it's like hey, we don't have to worry about you know conflicting with anything because it's in the, the distant past. 
So I, I know that more of that is coming, which I'm very excited about. That they could definitely make a, a game or a, or an animated series based on that, and that would be awesome. So I'm hoping I, yeah. for new yeah, and better. I, I find it to be highly likely that it'll go in that direction because, again, I know Mark and I have been very enthusiastic about that series. It's taken a great direction. It's a six-issue. Yeah. Limited series have been several novels so far. So, yeah, there's there's definitely more to come. Absolutely. Next story, uh, we've got a DC Vertigo series from 2009 coming to Netflix. Uh, this one's kind of interesting because it's actually being uh, executive produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife. Kind of interesting. I can dig it. Good deal. Yeah. So this is, oh my God, is this one mine? Uh, no, it's mine. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Oh. What's going on? What's going on with what? Am I still? I don't know. You're like, okay. <laughs> no, I just, I had to, I had to, ta- I had to toggle over to make sure oh. that I, that I didn't need to have the window open because oh, I no. need to be talking about it. But okay. Uh, five, four. Okay. Very good. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Yes, so the next news bit is a trailer for a series called Sweet Tooth that's coming to Netflix. And it's interesting that this is actually being executive produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife. Uh, This is based on a DC comic, actually under the Vertigo uh, umbrella, uh, from 2009. It's written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. And uh, it's an interesting series. It's set in a dystopian future where a deadly virus has wiped out much of humanity. It hasn't, however, wiped out new babies who are now hybrids of humans and animals. So we've got one such baby, Christian Convery, is raised in isolations by his father, Will Forte, blissfully unaware of the world around him. Uh, And uh, you see this little boy. He's got little uh, basically antlers on his head. He's very cute, and his name is Sweet Tooth. The um, the narration kind of gives you where it's headed. Basically, we have a virus, and we have the hybrids. And were they – is that the virus what caused the hybrids? We don't know, but we've got all these children and, and that are being born that look like, you know, a, a dog baby or something like that, but they are right. of their parents. And then we just see this this weird group of people wearing, like, animal skulls and people out to get the hybrids. So it seems like this is going to be much like a kind of a different dystopian look because um, – We've got some hope with this new generation, but we've got maybe people from the past that view them as threats. So this is going to be a really interesting series Um, with Will Forte. I mean, I'm really in and I I really think this is going to be really interesting. Uh, This debuts June 4th on uh, Netflix. And Charlie, the narrator was actually James Brolin. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. From the sound of who did I say in the pre-roll? I'm like that. Oh, it sounded like Alex Karras. Which I'm like, Which maybe, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe if you just get old, if you get old and grumbly enough, all those voices sure. start to sound alike. I don't know, Absolutely. but yeah. um, that's great. You know, I, I'm a famous poo-pooer of Netflix um, simply because they just crank out too much crap and they're really in your face. And uh, but every once in a while, I mean, they've had every once in a while they'll sneak in something genre related that I think, uh, and this is the first. Um, major property adapted from a Marvel or a DC that they've had in a while, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that, I mean, it's interesting that it's going to Netflix and not HBO Max, so it seems like this is probably something that was long in gestation before right, that, right. that uh, service was adapted, so yeah, uh, this is going to be something that's new and coming to Netflix, and I, I always say this about um, when people say, there's just too much content. Well, I'm like, 
Well, back in the day, we had three stations, and you were lucky if you got anything that was genre-related. So now it's basically the doors are open to have really uh, you know, high-end content based on really good uh, you know, uh, material and finally get it out there. So I'm not going to be one that complains about too much content. I, I, I worry about too much bad content. And I would say overall, the level of content that's coming to TV is pretty fantastic versus the days where we grew up, Charlie. Most of that stuff was crap. And we only got a little bit of crap. We, we got one like misfits of science. So this is oh, my science. You're, yes. you're putting down misfits of science. Come on now. Son. Yeah, Courtney Cox. I mean, come on. I mean, that's where we, that between that and dancing in the dark, that's how we got our sweetheart from friends. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> Dancing in the dark. Oh, my goodness. Well, this looks like fun. I'll definitely tune in. Uh, but again, uh, amid the mire of, you know, the embarrassment of riches of content, I'll, I'll, I always need a little bit of help to remember that stuff is even coming out. So, um, well, so yeah, this we're going like to help fun. you at the end of this uh, news cycle, Charlie. We're going to talk about what's coming out in May. So we'll give you a reminder. Ooh, I like it. So, yes. well, cool. Well, we're moving on. Uh, I don't know that I took much notice of this the first time but uh you know obviously in the the world of covid uh things that uh are very familiar to us as being in-person events uh have had to either become virtual events or cease to exist uh and one of these that was created around uh the need to have a virtual event would be the dc fandom and that happened back or back back kind of was it kind of summertime was it summertime yeah, it, was it was summer summertime? yeah it was summer yep and this gave us a chance. We rolled out uh, a lot of new content. I thought, did we, uh, you know what, I'm drawing a blank, but I know that Wonder Woman was a big part of this. So they yes, basically exactly. had Wonder Woman. They talked, I think we got the first trailer for Suicide Squad. So they did show a lot of that. They had movies, they had comics, they had, they had right. all areas of the DC media. But essentially, yeah, it was a, it was a convention like perhaps one of the old Star Trek conventions where it was just about one content provider. Uh, which you don't see, you know, in the the mire of San Diego Comic Con and Emerald City and New York Comic Con, it's just it's a big old shotgun blast to whatever. Where this is just this is DC and we have these things on television and this is what we got going on with our comics and this is what you can see for the movie slate or even potentially video games or whatever it is. So uh, they're rolling this out again in October. Uh, and being that you know certainly uh, from a year ago, uh, I am more of a fan of DC Comics than I was back then. I will certainly. Uh, be tuning into this with a little bit more uh, of a uh, of an uh, of a tight eye. So this is October uh, 16th of this year, um, and again, it's it's wherever you are because it's an, it's a virtual event, which is that is just that is the wave of the future. That is the way things work now. Yeah, and they'll be showing content from the CW series, HBO Max properties, probably have comic events, they'll have video games, uh, movies, so they have a lot to cover. I mean, you think about the, the Brilla, it's where I'm like, and that's where I'm looking at this point, I'm like, hmm, really Disney has kind of dropped the ball in doing anything like this. They have such big properties, Star Wars, Marvel, all these other things, and it's like, they're essentially not really out there uh, coming up with events that could really bring in their audience. And I think that's a big missed opportunity. So I'm curious to see what they do um, if, if they all match this, because this was a big highlight to the summer where there was nothing happening and no cons. So, and, and as of right now, we know that San Diego comic-con was supposed to do November and that now has gotten pushed out. So there's nothing this year. They might probably have maybe an online presence, but they just last time they did an online presence, it was pretty subpar. So um you know, as far as San Diego goes, I 
I love it because it was it's just, again, Tad, you attended that show back in 2011. Uh, it's not something I'll probably ever get a chance to do because it's so it's so exclusive because it's really difficult to to get access to it. But I simply like being able to take in the content uh, via online because again, is the shopping experience anything different than what I would find? Because again, I'm not going to dig through comic bins or I'm not going to do this and that. I do go to look for the things that I collect. Uh, and, and I would love to meet celebrities, but there are celebrities at every single con absolutely everywhere, you know, here in our state and even in the region. So in a lot of ways, I don't know that I would ever have any real appeal to go to San Diego Comic-Con. You know what I mean? The, the way it that- puts, Charlie, it puts every con to shame because I would say every other disc, every con, it feels like a discount convention. They elevate the level. It is significant. It is something. It's a destination. You make the trip to San Diego. You fly out there. You make it an event. That's why I would say it's so different you- than saying going driving to Detroit or something to seeing that because that feels like more of the same you see you're saying it's some kind of a pilgrimage it's something that that every one of us really has to undertake uh being that if it still exists after all this because absolutely no. yeah i mean yeah. i remember when i went there in 2010 and when they were doing the walking dead like when that was just i mean that hadn't come out yet and they were showing it i was like this is amazing they have the setup they put that physical presence of what they put up there it was really like they actually treated it like it was a big deal versus the shows we've gone to it just feels like there's lots of booths for merch and maybe some panels it's 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 worlds apart so it's really hard to explain unless you've been there but i would say it's something as just like anything it's worth making privilege take a trip to san diego it's a beautiful place anyways um and you know just you know spend make it a vacation go there a couple days and then go to the beach see some of the areas around there so yeah it's it's more of that but i mean they have not managed the digital version very well i would say it's subpar they haven't had good cons or, or basically panels they haven't gotten the stars behind that that's where i think disney needs to do something to get the marvel right. presence there because only disney can make people do that in a digital space so i think that's what needs to happen i think these these People that own these properties, like Star Trek. Think about Star Trek, Charlie. CBS Viacom has a you know virtual Star Trek event. That makes sense, and they did right. So they well, had they, a, they they've done two in the last year. They did absolutely. they did on Star Trek Day, and they did one in uh, just a few weeks ago for uh, First Contact Day. And it really it it's really firing up this Star Trek universe brand, which is what the the, the big umbrella is considered to be. And you know they're launching Prodigy, which is their their gateway into merchandise, which is really how they're looking at it because it's geared towards kids. So yeah, you're right. That that kind of thing is key you have to reach out and touch people you have to command your market share in the headspace of of the virtual world regardless um and so yeah you're right it does feel like disney's kind of missing the boat on that deal yeah because they used to what uh it was star wars um what was their big event called star wars star celebration and they still have it well they don't have it though right well, nobody has anything, but I mean, it still exists as something. But, that will but it could be something they could do digitally because they didn't have one last year, and they could have one this year digitally, but they didn't. So, and then Marvel's never had an event, so um, they relied on San Diego and other things. So, I, I will be happy to see them do that because they do have a lot of things to show, and it would be a great way for them to connect with their fans. But oh well, we'll move on though to what we can connect on our screens in the month of May. Very quickly, Charlie, we're going to run this down really quickly. Uh, In May for Netflix, we get Jupiter's Legacy that's coming, uh, which we talked about before with the trailer. We've got Army of the Dead with Zack Snyder uh, killing zombies in Vegas. That's going to be fun. Nice. Uh, Yes. Uh, Lucifer, Season 5, Part 2. I guess that's back, and I've not stayed track. 
I've never watched the show. Wasn't wasn't uh, Trisha Helfer in that for for a while from uh, BSG? Yeah, she was she was Lucifer's mom, I believe. Which I guess Devil has a uh, mother. That it makes me feel very confused sexually. But please keep talking. Yeah, so uh, Castlevania season four, really cool anime, uh, written by Warren Ellis. Um, apparently, uh, let's see, we've talked about Army of the Dead. Uh, let's see, anything else on Netflix? That's about it for Netflix. For the month of May, but we get to Hulu, Charlie. We got Modoc. Yes. Oh my God. And Patton is Modoc. Patton Oswalt, if I've not said before, is my he's my friggin' guy. I love that man. Yes. Uh, we got Shadow in the Cloud. This was a movie that came out, went to video. Basically, uh, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz basically is uh, aboard a B twenty one B seventeen bomber that comes under attack from mysterious creatures. She's British. It's kind of like that uh, episode of the Twilight Zone with William Shatner, where the gremlins are attacking the ship. Uh, it's the same type of thing there, but this is in World War Two, and it's going to be on Hulu free to watch. I like. I, I do still enjoy Hulu, but again, they are the you know Disney Plus after dark. At least in this country, I, they, I hear all the time listening to you know Planet Broadcasting stuff in Australia and other countries. Disney Plus has all varieties of content because they just there is unage restricted stuff. So it's on. Un, well, they have a, they have actually have a passcode for you to access the adult stuff on their service. It's called Disney Plus Star, and Star is the service with more adult content. We'll bring it on. I want it. Yes, yes. So, well, we have Hulu. So they've got yes, Star. Yes. We've got Hulu, and it's tiered here because Hulu does not exist outside the U.S. It's kind of like HBO Max. It's kind of weird. Right, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, Disney Plus. So we've got the Bad Batch. That's going to take up uh, primarily the, the geek stuff in May. So enjoy that. Uh, we've got Cruella. Uh, this is going to be a Disney premiere. Basically, pay 30 bucks to watch it there, or you can watch it in the theater. Uh, then we've got um, some movies obviously joining, some series continuing like The Mighty Ducks. Um, but that's about it for Disney Plus. So Disney Plus kind of not putting out a ton of exciting things. So yeah, I was going to say yeah, yeah they, they're in. Uh, it sounds like they're in a bit of a haze uh, after WandaVision, after uh, Cap Falc and the Winter Soldier, uh, and then we're not seeing Loki until June. So yeah, they're giving us a Star Wars cartoon, which I'm like, I mean, we're going to talk about it with zeal, obviously on Holocron, but it's not, it's not Marvel to me, to me personally. Um, well, so it's 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 not, it's just not as much. Well, and Disney's putting out. Not much. They're putting out one sh- new show a week, which is consi- considering like HBO Max, Netflix, they put out far more new content, which is it's kind of like Disney's got you. So they get you. But um, to me, it's just like they just don't compete with new content, especially for adults. So I think they struggle a little bit in the territory. Hopefully they'll have more, though. Uh, but in uh, May for HBO Max, so we're getting the Nevers. That's going to be uh, the, that's going to be wrapping up. I've enjoyed that show. Um, the first episode I've watched, I should say. Uh, then Tanet is uh, going to premiere finally. Yes, Tanet. <laughs> is it? Did we figure out that's actually how it's pronounced? I think so because it's not Tenant because there's no N. So Tanet right. or Tenet. We will figure. Well, we'll we'll yeah. figure out if we. And obviously neither of us have seen it. We'll figure out if they have one of those movies. Uh, in, one of those moves in the movie where somebody has to say the name of the movie and then we'll go. Oh, there it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonder Woman returns, though. She's back to HBO Max. And then we've got Adventure Time Distant Lands, uh, which is a a big series on Cartoon uh, Network, which is uh, exclusive to HBO Max. Amazon Prime. Let's see what's coming here, Charlie. 
there is not much. Uh, all I see here, except for a bunch of different movies, is a new series called Panic. Can't tell you much about that. Anakin, don't Panikin. Exactly. Then Peacock, uh, at this point, I'm looking for anything new that stands out. Not really. Okay. <laughs> Madagascar, Ouch. Little Wild, and American Ninja Warrior. Uh, Paramount Plus, though, Charlie. What's coming there? Uh, that surf. <laughs> surf uh, one, one, one movie of note on May 4th, Frankenhooker. So check out that. Um, that's that's fan- Yeah, Paramount Plus is not going to see uh, anything Star Trek related until August when we get season two of Lower Decks, which we will talk about with again with Zeal over on Code 47. But I'm not aware of anything else that's really popping on Paramount Plus until. Oh, then. that's that's pretty. Yeah, that's a hard one that you don't have anything really exciting to, you know, really bring people into that service after, uh, you know, Star Wars, you know, dries up. But we'll sh- we shall see. Uh, so that is it for May for new content. So everyone, uh, you know, mark your calendars and hopefully you are entertained. Are you not entertained? Absolutely. So well, cool. Well, that wraps us up. Uh, and it seems like we ought to hit the road. Uh, hopefully we can bring our crowbar and uh, peel the uh, the wooden slats off the door to the Geek Easy, break on in there, uh, and have ourselves a good old time. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. Sitting in the Geek Easy, our drinks are poured, and we are all vaccinated so we can actually – have a little more fun at our establishment of choice. So, Charlie, this week uh, you were watching some Disney Plus. Yes, you know, so we uh, we wrapped up uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We decided to watch it again. Uh, we said, well, let's watch the whole thing. We did. We started it with WandaVision, but in between uh, WandaVision episodes, we caught that there was uh, you know a making of of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we watched. But then that actually dumped us right back into this. Uh, other documentary called Marvel's Behind the Mask, which it was funny. I immediately forgot the name of it, and then I'm trying to talk to you about it earlier today, saying, hey, I want to talk about this on the show. And I had to really drill down and try to search for it to find the title of it. So it's not it's not really lumped in very well with the other with, with the other Marvels under the Marvel tab, or at least I don't think it was. But what this really was is this was a one-hour uh, documentary about actual Marvel comic books. Which again, everything that you seem to see is it's MCU and it's the movies and it's the making of the movies and it's the this thing or the that thing. But this was about uh, vintage footage and vintage interviews with people like uh, Christopher Jones, uh, African American artist, which he had an absolutely stunning. Uh, talk. He got his start at Marvel at a time when you would not expect uh, an African American artist to be working. But then he told a story about DC Comics that will forever shade the way that I look at them is he says I took my portfolio to DC Comics first because I was a I was a huge fan I walked in and I said hey I'd like to show my book to you and somebody in the bullpen pulled him aside and says well you know we don't really have use of you here we already have a colored artist on staff colored oh what year was that in in the 70s yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah you really thought that so he walked on over to Marble and they gobbled him up uh, and again, he's a very odd-looking guy. He looked he looked in the current-day footage like maybe he'd had a stroke or something. So I don't know. I don't certainly don't mean to make fun, but uh, they had uh, some great interviews with Larry Hama, who is uh, the creator of the modern GI Joe comic book and that dynasty, and someone who I've met and, and spent some time with at a con. So I have a lot of affinity for him. But you know, they talked very much about 
uh, how Marvel Comics and, and really a lot of those early titles were launched for these poor Jewish immigrant children like Stan Lee and like Jack Kirby and like uh, Simon and Schuster, who you know created Superman. And uh, did I say Simon and Schuster correctly? I don't. Think <laughs> I did. Simon and Schuster is the name of a publishing company. Who are the who are the, it was Simon and who was the other guy who created Superman? Oh, um, Joe Simon and um, oh God, I'm blanking too. You say, oh, thank God, it's not just me. Um, but anyway, there was the in the uh, these were two two Jewish kids. Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and Schuster. That's where it got. This is Joe Simon and Kirby created Captain America. Yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. So again, I, there's a common uh, through fair that you had these Jewish immigrant children, uh, kids uh, who were, and again, in Jack Kirby, they really drilled down on the fact that he grew up on the Lower East Side. It was very rough and tumble. And it's funny, Joe uh, Joe Kirby is really Ben Grimm because he grew up on the Lower East Side. He was in a Jewish gang, which is the Yancey Street gang. So that parallel was was fascinating. So they talked a lot about uh, you know their lives and how it influenced. They had some great vintage interviews of Stan Lee before his hair turned gray with the huge sideburns, and he was just like, this guy's got to be a sex symbol. Uh, but they talked a lot about how things were very devil-may-care at Marvel, and they had you know, they had sexy women around, and they had just doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and probably the drugs, like everything was back then. So just really pointed a picture of, you know, what it was like there on Park Avenue South uh, in the classic days of Marvel publishing, and what things look like kind of beneath the surface and, and how things uh, were done. And again, Todd, being that you have as much of an, uh, an affectation with this kind of stuff that I do, I highly recommend that you tune into this because it is fantastic. I won't say a ton more, but it's there on Disney Plus, which everyone in the world has a subscription to, so you have no excuse. Go check it out. Absolutely. I want to I want to watch this. I really have enjoyed the Marvel 616. We yep, talked about the, 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 the Japanese Spider-Man. Yes, uh, yes. There's more episodes. There's episodes about cosplay, cons, creators, all those things. So I, I want more of this. I think this is great. And I want more more of the stories behind the comics. I want more stories about the characters themselves. And uh, it's just going to make uh, people enjoy and really appreciate, uh, you know, all these the things that Marvel has delivered in, in the history versus just what you see in the MCU. So I, I'm excited for more of this. And hopefully HBO Max will do something similar because, yeah, I think uh, AMC actually did a great series all about this called, I think it was Behind the Comics or something like that. Robert Kirkman was behind. And it was all about, you know, different eras of comic book and, and different areas of, you know, evolution. So more of this is a good thing. So Disney Plus, bring that when you're not making more episodes of The Mighty Ducks. Yes, please. Oh, good Lord. Uh, anyway, what, what have you got? Oh, and the other thing was, and I, I did a picture on Instagram today, so if you follow me there, uh, but I have uh, fallen in love again with the uh, the Alex Ross timeless comic book variants that came out late last year and then early again this year. So we have a nice, sizable collection. And again, the wife and I came to a mind about this, so we helped design it. So I now have probably about more than half of the ones that they produce. And I've, I've earned marked another wall here in the den that I'm going to do some more. So I really love them. If you've not seen him and if you're not an aficionado of Alex Ross, uh, he is a painter, uh, who has been active in Marvel circles since the early 1990s, a series called Marvels, which came out when I was just getting out of high school, Todd, you were in college. Uh, but he has drawn Marvel heroes as they appeared in the early seventies and eighties, uh, against a simple white background, and he did all these variant covers, so I, I kind of collected them as I went. Spots I missed, I had a, fr uh, a friend who was getting rid of hers, uh, kind of connected me with some of those. So 
I love it, and it's great, and it's something that even as I'm sitting here recording, because the den is my studio, as it were, because I have a hard line to the internet, and my wife is working in her office upstairs, I just love looking around and checking them out. So it's kind of a small pleasure of mine. So, it, But apparently they are now super-duper hard to find, because they went like, like sold like hotcakes. So that's awesome. I love to see quality art being appreciated. It's good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, it reminds me, I've got to redo my, my little geek nook. I've got to redo it. So um, I got some awesome Joker prints that nice. on campus that are beautiful from my friend Gabe Vargo. Need All to put right. those up. They're beautiful. So, yeah, I need to display some really quality stuff and probably pair down more of the less pricey things and get a little more uh, pricier things up and have the, fewer and better things. The, so, the, the, the rinky-dinky junk is what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. So for me, though, um, as I've been hearing more about the Naomi uh, TV show coming to the CW uh, from D.C., I was excited, and I, and I couldn't remember if I read the, the first issue because I remember trying to get it, and it was sold out at the comic book shop. I'm like, well, I'll get to that eventually. And, you know, single issues, you miss out. You're like, I'll just wait for the trade. Things go by, and you just totally miss out. Well, uh, DC Universe Infinite obviously now has things uh, six months uh, or older all on the app. So I said, you know what? I'm going to read this because with the show coming out, I really want to get used to this character. Heard great things. And so I, I did read the first issue, and I will read more because this book – is probably one of the most beautiful comic books I've ever seen. The art style is flawless. It is fantastic. It's not like uh, obtuse at all. It's clean. Almost looks like an animated series, but with a um, you know just a very high quality style. Almost like if Disney did like a Beauty and the Beast style superhero movie and it is just phenomenal and it's about this girl named naomi who who lives in this small town you find out that um she's probably 16 years old and she's just you find out she's kind of struggled with her identity you find out she's adopted and so you you kind of follow her along with it and basically discover that she's obsessed with superheroes specifically superman and because of not because of his abilities just because also because He's adopted. He's been adopted by this planet. So she has a, a following with him. And you just find it in this small little town. Superman showed up once. Out of the blue, fighting Mongol. He disappears. She didn't get to see it. So uh, he says he's going to come back and help clean up. He left kind of a mess behind because of the fight. Uh, he Superman does come back and helps clean up a little bit. And Naomi misses it again. So she's mad. She's like, how did I miss this? In this small little town, this is the only thing that's exciting. I'm looking on the internet, though, and I don't see any coverage of this event. It's Superman. Shouldn't this be everywhere? He goes, oh, you know, he's really busy, and he's all everywhere in the news, so it probably isn't being shown. Then she starts hearing rumblings that something did happen in our town, but no one wants to come forward or talk about it. So she's like trying to look and she can't find anything. And you're kind of seeing her kind of hang out with her friends who she's just you know, a normal teen, but she still wants to know why uh, no one talks about this event that apparently happened years ago. So she finally finds this guy who runs the garage and she says, I've heard that you knew about something that happened in this town that was kind of like a big deal, but nobody will talk about it. And and I don't want to give too much away, but basically at this point – you see the story pivot, and you see where it's going to go. 
And it's awesome. It's, it's just a great buildup. Brian Michael Bendis wrote this along with David Walker. Brian Michael Bendis writes great dialogue, and he really does great development of characters. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with Ultimate Spider-Man, that's what he did. He's a really good writer. I think he just nails kids, teen characters really well. And then this is drawn by Jamal Campbell. Like I said, his artwork and the coloring, it just looks – it just it just comes off the page. Um, this isn't like your, your, your artwork that looks – really stylistic or anything it's just beautiful so if you get a chance to check it out and i only number one uh it's in trades it's available everywhere uh but if you want to read it though it's on probably comiXology now maybe and dc universe infinite so recommend you check it out before it's on the screen on the cw right exactly gotta stay on top of it well cool good deal well that wraps us up uh and speaking of things related to comics it seems like we've got a little bit further to go but we're going to have to put ourselves uh potentially in life and limb if we don't provide amusement uh to those lovely mutants down there in the thunderdome so extra i say let's take our chances let's go down to the land down under and see if we can pass muster secret friends you know thank you tina we're sitting in the thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained this week it's a not necessarily topic it's just something we want to get back to and that is covering a classic comic tale we talked about the hard traveling heroes which was green lantern and green arrow teaming up in the early 70s to take on uh battles to those who are oppressed or air uh or issues to be addressed um and this week we are covering the back half so issue 79 through 87. We did a bad job of covering a lot on the first end because of someone. That was <laughs> me. And, and yes. my, uh, my, my, uh, my, my lack of commitment. Uh, yes, I will. I will own up to that. That was me. Um, but yeah, holy cow, did we get some interesting stuff in this run? And I think we even changed uh, creatives a little bit late, closer to the end of the run, if we, if I'm not mistaken, because it was. Um, it's still the primaries, but they do add some additional art help. I would say. No, I th- I feel like the last issue I read, and again maybe the issue was, which we'll, when we get to the end, the last issue we read was a two-parter, and for some reason, for me, it skipped ahead, and I read the B story, not the A story. I feel like the B story was written by somebody else, but anyway, I I, I digress. So yeah, yeah, we- this is still Denny O'Neill writing. Uh, he wrote right. the whole thing, and then it's Neil Adams primarily, uh, primary on the the uh, the art staff uh, part, but then he. Other artists also were involved in this to a certain extent. Right. So, but it was right. primarily those two uh, were still pervasive on the whole series of hard traveling heroes: Green Lantern, Green Arrow. So, seventy-nine, Charlie. This one was a weird one. I called it Indian Reservation versus the Green Team. Yeah, this was, and again, you know, you think about it in the seventies. You had, you know, that that you know the, the Mazola oil commercials. You had the the one with the Indian with the tear with the pollution, the can being thrown on the ground, and just you know the 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 plight of the and they even say that this issue the Red Man, which I think is a horrible horrible way to say, but it gets mentioned in this. Uh, because this is one of several episodes where they're uh, they're in and around the Indian reservation with like in last last time we talked about Black Canary and the guy named was his name Zeke or Joshua or something the guy was hypnotizing people um, it was all centered around that and he was they were just all the all the stereotypes and all of the the racial uh, slurs used in this and again we'll get into this kind of further as we go on uh, were just really atrocious. Uh, but again, it was a norm. I was clearly a norm of the time 
for storytelling in the social commentary was still really is a capsule, I think, in time to highlight how these things and issues were really being addressed as this was happening. Yeah, this was a weird one, too. <laughs> Apparently, Green Arrow thought it was a good idea to dress as the ghost of the Indian. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, pale, their, their ancestors. Pale face. Yeah, it was the. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was God. bad. It was a bad yeah. look. Yeah, it was exactly correct, and it not not at all hard to figure out that he wasn't really the guest, the the ghost of you know Great Chief Lincoln or whatever the hell it was. It was like I, a bad Scooby Doo episode, it right? Really exactly. Yeah. But in the end of it, it was the hero. So, oh my God. So, uh, but it's weird between seventy nine and get, then getting back to uh, I would 80- say through eighty three. I think yeah. I think eighty through eighty three were just like what is going on. Well, I mean, and so we'll we'll keep it brief. But eighty and eighty one. Uh, were were part and parcel of kind of the same story. Uh, the Guardian, who is the, the little midget Aunt May character, as Todd described her the first go around, uh, has done ill in the eyes of the Oa Guardians back there on the Green Lantern homeworld. So he gets sucked back there for judgment, uh, and it's up to uh, the, the Green Team to help and defend him. Um, but then his now jog my memory in in eighty one did they did they get expelled to this weird planet where it's the, there's the mother character who well yeah it, it's weird like eighty hits like the robot jury is supposed to be like impartial but you find out this weird creator is now kill almost killing everybody who's guilty because they're human or or not a robot yes yeah, so that one just goes askew so apparently we call this we threw out the we threw out the trial because the jury was insane then we went to this other planet where apparently the population was decimated this person became a genetic scientist who created all of this extra like genetic clones i guess i don't right. know really... to repopulate and those were all her children or was but this planet but it caused overpopulation right which didn't is give birth yeah it was weird right and again it was, it was some very heavily laden uh social commentary there was a similar episode uh of the original star trek where there was an overpopulated planet but they they needed captain kirk because he had you know disease you know be, all humans had like they could they could get an infectious disease off of him so they could kill off some of the population. So it's just weird, weird. And again, it's right around the same time. It's within, you know, two or three window of that kind of social commentary storytelling that you might see on the original Star Trek. So in a lot of ways, yeah. I, I kind of draw a corollary between this and that kind of storytelling. But again, very kind of heavy. This much more heavy handed and, and full of exposition. Yeah, I mean, every issue is kind of like, I guess you say the 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 uh, the the damage done to the the Native Americans in '79. This could be basically, you could say, the justice system is wrong. Using robots is kind of like like the next generation would do with their plots in in '80. Then '81 population explosion, basically population problems that the world was seeing in '81, where you see like China even controlling the population right, right, uh, right. Of, of their denizens. So then you get to '82, which I guess this one felt like a, more of a yes. This one felt like a more of a standard like superhero comic where you've got um, Green Lantern, Green Arrow uh, getting attacked by these mythological harpies. Uh, they get uh, Green Lantern gets sucked in by a a gem by this witch queen, and things ensue. And all of a sudden, you find out oh, it's actually Sinestro and his sister oh, who he- sucked them into the. Sinestroina is that what yeah the name I of guess oh but they gosh. bring about this like um these these foes who are from different times uh right. 
yeah, so I guess it's like women being wronged by men because this evil uh, wizard apparently he was he was was trying to court and woo this woman, this witch queen lady who was Medusa apparently, and he turned in and she turned him down, and because he was so angry, he basically you know dispelled them. So all men are bad because this bad weird dude got laughed at. Yeah, so it's like women being wrong by men. Was that okay? The of that which issue? again, you know, and again, looking at topical issues, women's lib was just getting away, uh, getting sure. underway. And again, you know, my parents got divorced in the late 1970s. My mom had to go back to work. Thank God for the progress made for women's lib in the 1970s. My mom was a college graduate, but hadn't worked in several years. But she was able to turn what she had into a you know a successful career getting into the 1980s so i'm obviously a huge advocate of women's lib because i grew up that way so uh it's it's great but it's you know again it kind of follows the mantra of this entire hard traveling heroes line that things are very ham-fisted and really kind of driven down and no so more than we get into these later issues without a doubt yeah i do want to say they had like a weird editor's note on like uh in this issue where basically it said the page was inked by bernie wrightson bernie wrightson is a fantastic artist who's known for like swamp thing things like that the creepy stuff uh, but it was just weird like it was inked by him it's like you needed to tell us in this panel that that he right. inked it just weird. Back in the day, that's when you got most of the remember kids. This happened in you know issue sixty two. Oh, so we don't see that like in the, like the, the asterisk that said absolutely. And, 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 the, and then in the classic issue, yada yada yada, and then they give the name of it. Where it's yeah, it was just yada, weird that was that specific thing about being a page inked. But I'm like, because you forgot to put that in the credits in the beginning, maybe. That, that's very bizarre. Yeah, that's very weird. Bizarre. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, issue eighty three was another one, Charlie, which I didn't get the connotation between like a ill of society but maybe it was because it was like for kids who were needed to be adopted or they'd be like taken advantage by a weird guy named grandy Uh, oh and that's even weirder because that's my that's my wife's maiden name so that's her family name i don't like that children but yeah this one was like uh a black canary got recruited to be a physical education instructor at this weird institute for kids and then it just went downhill and turned into like a twilight zone with a creepy kid who can control things. I well, didn't thing in this that, one. I didn't, this, yeah. Isn't that usually how that goes down? Not at all. So got next issue. Uh, and this is, um, and again, very much, you know, if you look at, you know, pollution in uh, large cities in, in the 70s. So Mexico City is huge. L.A. is still huge to the state. New York City, the, the glum. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, on the Green Lantern side, you had Carol Ferris. Uh, she had paralysis in her legs, which I don't know anything about the storyline, but she was going to... No, she was hurt by the girl from the number issue 83, Charlie. Oh, see, I'm, I'm just... I'm yeah, so her, her ills were not cured by the little girl the weird, creepy girl from the Twilight Zone being, uh, you know, killed in that issue, which is well, weird. That, that yeah. doesn't really help at all. So anyway, she's got to go get, uh, get uh, you know, treatment at the seaside town. 
and then when she doesn't come back 24 hours later, she and obviously Green Lantern are involved in a romance. She's going to get her legs treated. She He doesn't come back, so he is called to find out what's going on and, and uh, meets the mayor of this town, and he's this kind of smug huckster uh, who is showing, you know, showing him around. It's one of these corporate towns, as they refer to, that everybody in the town, it's like a mining town. Everybody like Hershey, the, Pennsylvania, right? Exactly. Hershey was created because of Hershey. The right. town was created, yeah. But as it turns out that, you know, the, the entire, uh, it, they're, they're all a, you know, a very uh, irresponsible corporate manufacturing town where they're creating all the smog and disgust with plastic products. Everything is cheap and crappy, but they turn around and it, it ends up being one of the few supervillains we've seen in any of this run, which is the Black Hand, mm-hmm. I think, which I'm not super familiar with, but obviously he's a real bad bloke. Uh, and Green, uh, while Green Arrow is on his own, he manages to send his ring back to Green Arrow back home, who's able to recharge it, and then comes to the rescue. And in the end of it, they're able to obviously save the day. So, yeah, but again, the, the serious ass social commentary. Oh my God. Just like, you know, corporations suck. They're destroying us all. Have a great day, kids. Yeah, it was weird. Like, yeah, trying to capture basically a social uh, impact in every issue is kind of weird because it's like, did they do it well? I don't know. In 1970, probably. I mean, because you had like what was going on in in media at the time with TV shows. I mean, you didn't get a lot of coverage in this, so it was kind of you know impressive for the time. But yeah, and and I just had to put out a couple things here, Charlie. That the, the things I I made some notes, but basically we find out that Green Arrow's playing some rock and roll music, which apparently he was not a, a keen to it, but now he's coming around to it. But Green Lantern says he likes Dixieland instead, which I'm like, Dixieland? Does anybody like Dixieland music? I I can tell you who. Loves- loves Dixieland music, uh, Will Riker, who loves jazz. Perfect. Uh, but, yeah. that, but, that, but that's in the future. Yeah, and I like the mayor showing around how Jordan says, well, this factory keeps us in beans and Skittles. I'm like, what does that even mean? First beans of all, Skittles. First of all, I love Skittles. Uh, don't feel like it was candy back then, but I don't think so. Either. I don't, I don't really else. I don't really see how someone can subsist on a diet of beans and Skittles. I think that you die trying to eat those things. Yeah, we find out Green Arrow is really poor. And he was trying to find his way to Green Lantern. He wanted to get a, a, a speedboat, but it was $100. He only had $20, so he got a rowboat. So that's how he got to rescue Green Lantern, taking a rowboat. Oh, my God. Well, things uh, can't get any crazier than they were in, in, in uh, issues 85 and 86 uh, as we're starting to bring this thing to uh, a head. Now, this is one of the more famous Yes. Uh, certainly covers uh, cover art, I think, of issue 85. Uh, and again, uh, Speedy, who is Roy, who you see you see him in the CW Arrowverse uh, Green Arrow show uh, as a regular character, is his is Green Arrow's young ward. This is the first time you see him at all in any of this, yes. and, or that he's even mentioned, because you know Green Arrow is living in this you know shitty apartment uh, that he's sharing with his ward, but his ward's not. Oh, I haven't seen him in a month. Like. Okay, you're legally responsible for this kid, and you don't know where the hell he's been for a month. Okay, dad of the year. Nice. I left him some hot pockets. Oh wait, don't even have yeah. hot pockets back yeah. there. It was like all like uh, 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 to- the TV toast- dinners that were ninety to- minutes yeah, to make. Toast on a hot plate. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah like in uh, like in the Blues Brothers, he's making a grilled cheese sandwich on a hot plate. They didn't have cheese whiz back then. Like, uh, where's where's my cheese cheese whiz, boy? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, you find out this. So this is a very long drawn out. Uh, you know, uh, commentary on hard drugs in you know, what clearly what feels like the the 1970s kind of New York, which was if you ever watched that show, the uh, now I'm fall, I'm forgetting the name of it. It was a show on HBO that was about the uh, the wire. 
No, no, it was about it was about Times Square in the seventies. Oh yeah, everything was bad in New York. It was called it was called the the Deuce or something. I don't know. It's a oh yeah yeah yeah. That was that that show was super duper gritty. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, this was two issues of finding out that uh, while Speedy was quote unquote undercover trying to break up this ring, uh, he became addicted to heroin himself, which heroin was kind of the featured drug. Uh, and then you had two, uh, you had two minority characters. You had an Asian character and a black character who drops the N word straight and they, they out drop there. a very negative Asian the, connotation to which I'm like, the, yeah, wow, exactly, yeah. No, they yeah. they dropped two in the same sense. It was the C yeah. word, and it was something else, and it was yeah, like it was the N word, yeah. Yeah, this is ninety. This is you know nine comic book seventy one kids in seventy one. So that's, I mean, and those are still words to get thrown out today. That doesn't make it right, but you certainly do not see those in comics in any way, shape, or form. Even though potentially though the N word is more prevalent, but it's more prevalent between you know African Americans uh, as opposed to being a slur. It's really in a lot of ways it's been a word that's been taken back. Yeah, even yeah, on the yeah. page of a comic book, I don't think that was ever shown before. And I looked, and this did have the comics code on it, which was really surprising because well, typically they when they do issues well, like this, they didn't use the say, comic yeah. code. Which is shocking because not yeah. not not even five years earlier you had the uh, the the drug issues of the Amazing Spider-Man where Harry Osborn was addicted to speed and the Comics Code would not uh, give their seal of approval. So Stanley said, "F you, this is an important story. I'm telling it anyway." But then five years later, they're like, "Yeah, you know, he broke the barrier. We don't care anymore." So absolutely, this is a superhero who's addicted. This isn't just a side character who right, was exactly. a villain eventually. Yeah. So that, it's funny because, um, yeah, I mean, this is it. Kind of has a weird turn because Green Arrow's kind of like not sympathetic. He says, "I taught you to be independent. No sympathy to help a person who is obviously right. need help gets addicted." And so then he ends up hanging out with you know uh black canary to basically get him out to basically get him through the night so he's not addicted and green green lantern takes him there so we end up with the issue with basically green arrow proud of speedy but not for anything he did for him he's like i'm so proud of the boy and he has a tear on right now like you were a jerk you didn't even support him you said i was gonna say is weak you know in a lot of ways it's uh very demonstrative of the way real families are am i wrong Absolutely. And and that character who be, later became Roy Harper, became Arsenal, different things. He's had a he's had a rough tear in the comics and, and that it kind of like you can kind of see where it came from. Um, but I, I one last thing on this uh, wrapping up the, the drug storyline is basically they called heroin old Mama Spike, which I'm like, that, I've never heard a, that. That's before. a new one on me. But that it's not like they made it up. That was clearly a real thing. I, I would assume that that's absolutely that's, that's an expression, you know, like, yeah, the, like the, uh, you know, cocaine is the Bolivian marching powder, just things that make no sense. Absolutely. So that's okay. That one. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then lastly, 87. So we'll go in the two parts of this because Charlie didn't read the, the main story. Yeah. Read, like the, the backup story with. Green yeah. Arrow. The, yeah. The issue is, is that Todd and I, we are, you know, we're sharing the single login, which means we're, we're reading the same stories, but if Todd and I are reading it at the same time and I jump in, I might jump into where he was. And in this case, I fit because it jumped in on the splash page of the backup. I figured, oh, I just it dumped me to the beginning. Um, but as I start to read it, I'm like, but the cover has uh, the introduction of John Stewart Green Lantern on it. Why am I not seeing him? So at the end of it, I'm like, ah, DC must have screwed up and blah, blah, blah. But come to turn out, it's split in two parts. 
and I missed the first part. So Todd did the first part, I had the second part. So Todd, yes, go ahead. Yes, so this does introduce Jon Stewart. Uh, I talked about uh, Guy Gardner. Uh, Guy Gardner was injured in this issue, who is basically just helping out. Um, but he was the backup to Hal Jordan. So if anything happened to Hal Jordan, uh, Guy Gardner would be basically the new Green Lantern. Well, he was injured, so the Guardians reach out and said, hey, we need to find a new replacement as Guy Gardner's out. So they reach out to um, Jon Stewart. And this is your introduce. John Stewart is a street smart architect, basic unemployed, helping out in the streets. And then Hal Jordan comes to him, basically decides to train him. He's like, sure, why not? I'll take on this role because I know I'm unemployed. Hey, why not? This sounds like fun. So Green Lantern is basically training him, uh, shows him the role, gives him a costume. And he says, I'm not going to wear a mask. That's not how I roll, which is like. This is interesting. 1971, very cocky, uh, you know, main character, different than Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan's not exactly certain that this is a good match. And the, and the Guardians actually call him out. I said, is that because of your prejudice? I'm like, oh, nice call out that, you know. So the first mission is to actually go and defend a politician who's running for president. Very racist guy just calling out basically saying black people aren't as intelligent all these negative things and like oh my god so how basically he gets um there's an assassination attempt on the politician who is a black man so uh hal jordan says i'm gonna go after him you protect the senator like i and and jesus says i'm not doing anything i'm like what 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 are you doing you're not doing anything so hal jordan takes the guy on this this black man who tried to kill him uh basically hal jordan takes him down and goes why didn't you do that um basically john stewart comes through uh checks things out you find out actually this 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 really racist politician basically set up a guy with a gun to try to assassinate as a black man but send a white guy to truly take out some cops and kill them so John Stewart stopped the, the 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 racist assassin taking out cops instead and said, you know what? I stopped the real story. I know it was wasn't going on. I know basically I saw beforehand that that guy wasn't really going to kill the senator because I saw him with him earlier. So I stopped him and you didn't believe me. So that's kind of how we ended the story with John Stewart. But basically, it was an uneasy accord, basically saying Hal Jordan realizes that he saw the error in his ways and John Stewart will be a really solid Green Lantern uh, to fill in if Hal Jordan ever gets taken out. So it was a really cool story talking about racism, you know, you know, Hal Jordan's own, uh, I guess you'd say prejudices internally came out and he misjudged. So I like that storyline, but then you Charlie picked up the part with the green, green arrow kind of taking his next steps. Hal Jordan's green white privilege. I'm sorry. I Absolutely. Out on. And, and, and uh, John calls himself Black Lantern, which I thought was pretty funny too. What? Which is because there are Black Lanterns, but they represent death. So absolutely, it's, that's a little different. Yeah, kind of, kind of not what he was necessarily what he was going for. But yeah, the the B story uh, of this was uh, simply about Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow. Excuse me, blah, 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 Green Arrow. Um, mirrored, I think, uh, you know, certainly what we see actually for folks who are more familiar with the Green Arrow television series where. Uh, Oliver Queen, who is a wealthy industrialist at that time, where here he's just kind of a down on his luck ding dong. Um, he goes into politics and becomes the mayor of Star City or Starling City or whatever the hell it is they want to go with. Um, and this he is he is being courted by the city fathers that they're looking for. You know, uh, you know their latest mayoral candidate was you know a, a, a corrupt piece of you know what. 
uh, they're like, well, we need somebody who is, uh, you know, somebody who we can run. So the political party, someone who we can run, who is electable and who is, uh, you know, has virtue and can actually do the job and, and not easily be led astray. And it was one of these, they re, you know, it, one of his, one of these people reaches out to Oliver and he's doing the will they won't they. And it's funny because he goes on to call Bruce Wayne and get his input. He goes on to call Clark Kent and get his input. Of course, he calls his lady, Dinah Lance, and gets her input um, and does this kind of dancing all around. But in the midst of it, he's doing, he has to, I believe he has to save uh, a, a child uh, who lives in a tenement slum who is, you know, chasing after his dog and runs in front of a train or a bus or something and saying, you know, I can make a difference. I can make a difference by doing more than this. I'm going to go for it. Um, and that's kind of the end of the story. So you don't really know. He's, he runs. You don't know if he wins. He probably does and goes on and does great things, yada, yada, yada. Because, again, clearly what was adapted from the television series came from source material of this ilk. So, um, yeah, but again, why did Green Arrow have a solo story in a Green Lantern comic? Because it was still a Green Lantern comic. Did this kind of end that run and then it went back to just being a Green Lantern comic? Like, what happened after this? Yeah, it did. Um, it was surprising, though, that it was a team up between them because there was no Green Arrow solo book. And I think maybe that was the thing, basically turned out of the Justice League. They were, you know, they had a relationship. Let's pair them together. Maybe we can spin this off into a Green Arrow book. And so that's a little bit of a, a of an interesting taste where basically this is a way to highlight a character, get him his own book, and then spin him off and where he goes next. So, yeah. And after that, yeah, we didn't have those two being in a, a, a comparative comic book. Kind of like World's Finest with Batman and Superman. This is right. an interesting where you basically it turned into Green Lantern and Green Arrow for a time, but then went to back to Green Lantern after this issue. So it was kind of like gotcha. they ended that uh, that storyline and uh, with the hard traveling heroes combating the social ills and wrapping it up because you know we won right exactly yes all all thing all things considered 70 uh, years you know 40 years later charlie we're in a better yeah, place right. I, years god is it 50 years now it, it is 50 years it is oh, it's, it's 50 years to the dot but you know what it'll be 70 years before you even know it so uh you know to wrap this up without a doubt you know, it, it, it again, it takes me back to thinking about the original Star Trek. And, you know, there was commentary on, you know, nationalism. There's commentary on the Vietnam War, uh, commentary on, you know, drug use, this and that, and, and all these different kinds of things. Um, where, you know, under the lens of what Gene Roddenberry did in Star Trek, it was subtle and layered and, 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 and kind of couched in other types of metaphors. This was very in your face and very over the top and very, you know, in a lot of ways geared towards audience. So, you know, hey, we want to teach kids about racism. We want to teach kids about drug abuse. Then, well, kids are not really so open to the subtleties of storytelling, so we really just have to go out there and say what we need to say, even if we're pushing the limits. Clearly, it did make it through. Um, and I think we know, you know, the 70s was famous for uh, not having the helicopter parenting that is so prevalent in this day and age because it was like I, I remember even in the 60s when my dad told me the 50s and the 60s when my dad was growing up yeah my mom would kick us out of the house at 9 a.m in the summertime and says i don't want to see you back until it gets dark basically you know piss off go find something else to do so don't do drugs kids don't don't do drugs don't 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 become a don't become an addict of the reefers uh but you know you know in these days it, it, even in the 70s you know 
it's the, the kids media consumption which was comics was really not being monitored so in a lot of ways there was clearly not a lot of scrutiny to what was going into these books and these uh these artists and these writers could tell the story in a really over-the-top fashion that what they were clearly hoping to do was to make a connection uh, on a, an over-the-top scale uh, that would reach a child as you know, with, with a clearly inherent total lack of subtlety. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting time. And, you know, getting comics to actually even address any type of thing that was not just, hey, we're taking on space aliens or bad guys. You know, let's let's appreciate it for what it was at the time. And the way they told it might have been overbearing and not exactly subtle. But you know what? It led to where we're at today. And you can see any comic book uh, addresses these issues. And we just saw it with, like, you know, Falcon and the Rose Soldier. I mean, we've got a black Captain America, which which reminds me one, one really quickly thing to you, Charlie. Should we be getting MCU-based comics now? Because there truly is no falcon as captain america comics available we had a short run it's done but should there be comics that kind of talk to that where it could go in the future could be you know especially with the fact that i mean we're only a few weeks out from that you know bowing in, in such a fashion but I, I feel like it was uh it was it was so really well done that yeah you're right maybe that's something we're going to see more of uh, as time goes by that reminded me that you know and, and maybe this is something you and i can tackle as we get a little more we drill down and we're a little more serious about our comic book reading but i never read the truth red white and black captain america about isaiah bradley i never read that that, that, maybe that might be a book we read in the future then i would very much like to tackle that sometime soon because I think it's kind of topical because that was obviously an arc in the show that just wrapped up. So let's put that. I know we're going to tackle, you know, the latest Venom, I think King and Black or something. So let's, you know, let's let's do that Isaiah Bradley bit after that because I'm totally down. Perfect. So, yeah, we'll do King and Black next. Uh, we'll follow that up with the next Green Lantern installment that we talked about, Charlie. And then okay. we'll do Isaiah Bradley. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Bradley. Azazu. Well, good. Well, I like the fact that, that we've turned back uh, to turning a lot more of the Thunderdome into talking about comic stuff and, and kind of sticking with those roots because uh, you and I have been comic guys uh, since we've met. We'll always be comic guys. We'll be reading. Even though I'm not, you and I are no longer collectors and I'm, I'm burning off my physical stuff, uh, we, still enjoy the, we still enjoy reading it and we're able to read the same stuff because of digital uh, what's available digitally. So let's take it full advantage of it. Uh, and with that, uh, that uh, is something that, again, uh, we want to connect with our audience about. Uh, and I will tell you how by simply thanking you, of course, uh, for joining us as always. The uh, Secret Friends podcast is the vanguard of the Secret Friends podcasting network consisting of four great shows where we kind of touch all the corners of uh, geek culture uh, every Friday here uh, we've been since 2014 we've been talking about geek culture at large uh, over on co-op mode Todd uh, and our shared cosplay wife Mark Carabin the Canardian talk about video games uh, every Monday uh, myself and partners Aaron and Rich are talking about Star Trek over on the Code 47 podcast uh, and every other Wednesday Mark the Canardian and myself are talking about Star Wars on the Holocron Chronicles. You can, of course, find our shows wherever you find uh, your podcast and your hosting service. We're also mirrored uh, over on YouTube. Thanks to Todd. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a review wherever it is that you're taking that in. That definitely helps the visibility of the show, and it is greatly appreciated. But when it comes to talking to us about 
comics maybe that you would like us to to cover, questions that you have for us that you'd like us to answer. Twitter is the best way uh, to reach us that way. Of course, we do have a very vibrant Facebook community, but we're always looking to grow our cred in the Twitter sphere. Twitter's Todd, help me out here. Twitter sphere. Thank you very much. Uh, At Secret Friends U, that would be the letter U. Uh, Drop us a line. Uh, let us know something that you're enjoying or a question that you have for us or something that you might want to have us tackle. Uh, T Public, Todd, I shared this with you and Mark a couple of hours ago. They are, they're like tripling down uh, on their sale windows in the month of May. So they have one coming up. By the time you're listening to this, they're going to have a sale going on. And I think they have a couple of other laters in the month. So uh, what's great about T Public is that it is all artist driven proceeds. Uh, you know, a, a proceed of the purchase goes back to the. Uh, the artist producing. We've got a store that has uh, the logos for all of your favorite uh, Secret Friends Unite programs, uh, whether that be hoodies, T-shirts, stickers, wall art, uh, coffee mugs, coffee tumblers, etc. There's a lot of great stuff on there. Proceeds from that do benefit uh, helping make the show possible and hel- helping us bring you more content. So please jump on there, uh, look uh, on the group, and then also on Twitter for a link to our store, and you can find our stuff. And with that, I'm going to thank you one more time for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. This is the May. Some stories start at the beginning. Ours begins here.